Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. Join me as we say our confessions as a church. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. So how to be perfect. If you study all the world's major religions, you'll find that they all have one thing in common. You will find that they all strive through human effort to reach perfection in some way and some form. Buddhists speak of the noble eightfold path, which includes right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Sounds pretty good, right? Hindus believe everyone should strive to achieve dharma, which is to align oneself with rata, the order that makes life and the universe possible and includes duties, rights, laws, conduct, virtues, and right ways of living. Muslims have their own version of the Ten Commandments and believe there will be a final judgment where Allah will decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell based on how well they conform to those commandments and to other religious duties central to their core beliefs. Notice that all these well-known belief systems, I say well-known, I should say well-known in the sense that people have heard of Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam, Notice that they all believe in a system that involves man's efforts to reach some level of perfection through his own works of righteousness, through his own efforts, so to speak. Christianity represents a fundamentally different approach to achieving perfection. The world's religions strive to reach to God, but in Christianity, God reached toward man. Big difference big difference Christianity teaches that man is a fallen imperfect being utterly incapable of saving himself utterly incapable of saving himself no amount of good deeds or righteous actions or right thinking or right doing or virtue is going to be enough for you to reach the standard that God expects for you to enter into heaven. Man's only hope of attaining the perfection required of his creator is to trust in the actions and the finished work of the only perfect human being who ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? Again, I say religion is man's efforts to achieve perfection through natural human efforts. But Christianity, the gospel, is the creator God reaching out to fallen mankind to make him perfect. How? Through the finished work of Jesus Christ in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Amen. Let's go over some perfect scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, Jesus said that. Imagine his followers. 
Be ye as perfect as God the Father. What an impossible standard to live up to. John 17, 23. Jesus is praying in the upper room before He went to Gethsemane, before He went to the cross. And this reveals the heart of God. This reveals the heart of God. He said, I in them, He's praying to the Father, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Amen. So you see, Jesus put it out there in his earthly ministry that God wants you to be perfect. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And then he reveals his heart in this prayer that God's always wanted to rescue fallen man and make him perfect once again. Amen? That's always been the heart of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 says that Jesus humbled Himself and took on the form of a man, a servant. He humbled Himself and was obedient unto death. He became one of us. And ultimately, He became like us so we could become like Him. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we see Jesus who was made a little lower than God. He was demoted, so to speak, from God's status to man's status. Now, He stayed divine. He was the Son of God. Don't anybody fuss at me about that. But it says there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, that He willingly set aside the glory and the majesty and all the power that was rightly His as the Son of God. He chose to come to the earth as a mere man. It's kind of like Superman. You know, if Superman wanted to live a normal life and he was willing to give up all his powers so he could just slip into society and be a normal guy. Okay, I know that's a crude analogy, but you get the picture. He set aside all his power, all his glory, and all his divine attributes and came in the form of a man. He became one of us. And I don't know about you, but that's special to me. That he became one of us so he could feel what I feel. He could think what I think. He could be tempted the way I'm tempted. Glory to God. I take great comfort out of knowing that Jesus has faced every temptation that I have ever faced. And some that I will never face. Amen. For example, I know this is kind of a tangent, but it's a good tangent. A lot of people say, well, Jesus doesn't know how I feel. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. Well, why don't you read in the Gospels over there in the garden where he went to his his followers and he said, would you just pray with me for one hour? I'm so depressed. I just want to lay down and die. That was Jesus. Don't tell me he doesn't know what it is to be depressed. He knows the depths of depression far greater than anything you've ever experienced. Amen. Hallelujah. He knows how you feel and he knows how to bring you out of that depression in the name of Jesus. If you're suffering from depression, just receive that. Lord, you lift me out of depression right now in Jesus name in Jesus name. 
Hallelujah. We're going to get through these scriptures. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. There's that phrase again, make perfect. You got to be made perfect. And the first person that was made perfect was the captain of our salvation, Jesus himself. He was made perfect in the sense that he had to suffer and die on our behalf. And he completed and finished the work that God gave him to do on our behalf. Hebrews 9 verse 9. Which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Again, the King James is a little blind. But this is symbolic language talking about the law of Moses and the system of sacrifices and the shedding of blood, which could only cover sin and not remove sin. It was a type of what was to come in the perfect shed blood of Jesus Christ. So he's saying it's a symbol. These gifts and these sacrifices, the blood of goats and bulls, were symbols, but they could not make him that did the service. In other words, the one that was offering the sacrifice could not be made perfect by offering that sacrifice because it was only temporary and it was only a type of the permanent solution that was coming and that was when the perfect sacrifice came and shed His blood once and for all so that we could be made perfect. Glory. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. But ye are come unto Mount Zion... And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. There's that phrase again, made perfect. Notice it says the spirits of just men made perfect this makes it clear when jesus said be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect he was talking about your spirit man it's got to begin with your spirit man you got to have perfection on the inside before you can have a degree of perfection on the outside isn't that right the spirits of just men made perfect so again i say That scripture makes it clear that it was your spirit man that was made perfect. More specifically, your spirit man was the first part of you that was made perfect if you've been born again, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord. Now, to fully understand that, you have to know that man was made a triune being. Spirit, soul, and body. I know these are fundamental truths. And I wrestle with whether or not to teach this today, but... I really felt like sometimes you just need to get back to the basics. Because understanding spirit, soul, and body will help you in your daily walk. It will help you attain to the perfection that is inside of you if you're born again. 
1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means completely. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can learn a lot from this verse. There's a couple things I want to bring out. Number one, you are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. Three different Greek words for each of those. Spirit, soul, and body. A lot of people teach that the spirit and the soul are the same, but the Bible doesn't teach that. Your spirit is that, that part of you that comes from God. Your soul is that part of you that arises from what comes from God. It's your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality. And the body is the suit that your spirit and soul lives in. I like to call it the earth suit because to live on earth, you have to have an earth suit. If you leave this earth suit, you're going somewhere in outer space. I believe billions of light years to the north of us, a place called the New Jerusalem sitting on top of planet heaven. Amen. Glory to God. Some other time, I can tell you why I know it's a planet. Amen. It's in the Bible. All right. So the other thing you learn from this scripture, the first thing is you are a three-part being. The other thing you, you understand from this is God is interested in perfecting your whole being, spirit, soul, and body. In fact, he paid the price to do just that. You may have a body that's aging and subject to certain things here in this fallen world. But one day, even the body you have will be replaced with a perfect body. And the Bible says your salvation will be complete. Now, I, for one, am looking for that new model in the showroom of heaven this 25 years old, good looking, got all of his hair, and he's just strong and healthy and handsome. You know, I'm looking forward to putting that guy on. Anybody else besides me? All right. Praise the Lord. You know, I was teaching some uh, young people at Coastal Carolina Christian School some apologetics classes, and, uh, and I used that example about the new body, and I threw out the 20. He's 25 years old, and I realized, hey, wait a minute. These are all 16, 17 years old. Yeah. That means nothing to them. You know, I thought, okay, all right. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, so let's press on. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Glory to God. Now I want you to see something. Even in this scripture, which is talking about the word of God, we have a not so veiled reference to the three part makeup of man. It says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So we know that soul and spirit are different. And it takes the word of God to tell where one begins and the other begins. But they are different. They are closely intertwined. So you got spirit and soul and then joints and marrow. Where do you find joints and marrow? In the body. So this is talking about spirit, soul, and body. Amen? So we are a three-part being. And the sooner we reckon with that, and recognize that, 
the better we will realize who we are in Christ and be able to tap into the man that's on the inside of you or the woman that's on the inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this gets me excited. And obviously, if you haven't figured it out yet, this is sort of a preamble teaching to spirit, soul, and body, which we're going to get into. We're going to spend some time on it. It's fundamental, but it's a fundamental truth that I believe a lot of believers do not have. Consequently, when they get in the scriptures, they get confused about the difference between the spirit and the soul. Okay? Praise the Lord. When Adam sinned, it was his spirit man that died and needed to be reborn. Remember, God said, you can eat of any tree in this garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Well, if you examine the Hebrew, it actually goes something like this. The day you eat of that tree, in dying, you shall die. There's a double reference there. Some translations say, you shall die, die. What's going on there? Well, how many know that when the devil said, you shall not surely die when you eat of this fruit, He was telling a half-truth. Because when they ate that fruit, they didn't drop dead physically, did they? But they died spiritually on the inside. Amen? And became separated from God. And because they died on the inside, they began to die on the outside. And even though they were made to live forever, their lives were cut short. They only lived a little over 900 years. That should tell you the power of the way God made us. Even as physical, mortal human beings, we were intended to live forever and have bodies that would never wear out and be perfect. And once we lost perfection on the inside, we began to lose perfection on the outside. Isn't that right? So when God sent Jesus to be the remedy... To be our salvation, it had to be a complete salvation. If man is spirit, soul, and body, and he fell spirit, then soul, then body, then the way that he would be rescued, the way that he would be delivered, would be to reverse that process beginning with his spirit. Once man was reborn in his spirit, then he could recapture his soul and his body. Amen? Glory to God. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, he was talking to Nicodemus, who was a closet follower of Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You study that out, it means you can't even perceive heaven, much less enter into it, unless you are born again. And Nicodemus, being the brilliant man that he was, he said, well, how can a man be born again? Can he enter again into his mother's womb? I think he knew when he said that, that that was a dumb thing to say. But it was all he could think of to say. And Jesus said, no, it's like it's like the wind. The wind comes and goes and you don't know how it comes or goes because you can't see the wind. So it is with the spirit. Now, a lot of people think that's weird and they don't understand that, but I'm going to tell you right now, it makes perfect sense to me. You can't see wind, but you can see the effects of wind, right? You can see the trees bow. You can see the waves on the water. 
You know, when I was a flyer, that was one of the ways we would determine where the wind was coming from. We would look at smokestacks. We would look at water. You know, you could see the effects of wind, but you don't necessarily see the wind. Okay. He said, same way in the spirit. When you get born again, you don't see what happens on the inside of a man, but you will eventually, if they've been born again, you will see the effects of the wind of God's spirit in that man's life. Amen. You will see them change their whole worldview. I know that was the thing that was most startling to me when I got born again, when I got saved. As I realized within a matter of days and weeks, my complete, my whole worldview was turned upside down. I mean, I believed in evolution before I got saved. I believed that it was okay to uh, have um, free biology with members of the opposite sex. You know, I thought it's just biology. What's what's all the fuss about? You know, and then after I got saved, I was like, ooh. Ooh, that's kind of too personal for people that aren't married to be engaging in. You know, all of a sudden I I saw it, you know, abortion before I I couldn't care less what happened to babies in the womb. But after I got born again, the first time I saw a picture of a little aborted fetus in the hand of a doctor, something on the inside of me just said, that's wrong. I didn't have to have any scientists tell me whether it was right or wrong. I knew on my I knew in my spirit it was wrong because I got a man on the inside of me that's perfect, that thinks just like God thinks, you know, has God's worldview. Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself. Glory to God. Second Corinthians 517. Ricky quoted this by the spirit when he was ministering earlier in the service. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, some translations say. And others say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature without precedent, which never before existed. Listen, you can't heal your dead spirit. You have to be born again. And I confess to you that I do not understand the mechanics of how this works. But somehow, God yanks out that old dead spirit and puts in a brand new spirit. I don't understand it. I just believe it because I see it in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. He became what we were so we could become what he is amen glory to god glory to god ephesians 4:23 and 24 it says and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and true holiness so according to the scriptures when you get born again There's a new man or new woman on the inside of you that's just like God. As righteous and holy as you're ever going to get. You're not going to slip into heaven and all of a sudden attain some new level of holiness and righteousness. Okay? Because on the inside, in your spirit, you are just like God. I used to tell the youth this all the time. I borrowed it from Andrew Womack. 20 years ago, Trisha and I were youth 
pastors, and we, we used to tell the youth, just think of it. One-third of your being is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. And they were like, wall-to-wall, man, yeah, you know. They loved it. It's a good way to think about it. One-third of you is just brimming with the Spirit of God. All you got to do is let that man show up on the outside, amen? Glory to God. Jesus told His followers to be perfect, knowing that they couldn't be perfect without His help. And when I talk about perfection, I'm talking about righteousness and holiness to the level that God is. Remember, Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I'm telling you, the Scripture says, when you're born again, you become perfect just like your Father in heaven is perfect. And when He looks at you, He sees perfection. He sees you through the eyes of what Jesus did for you. It's a mind shift. It's a paradigm shift, but you got to make that shift. There's a man on the inside of you that always wants to read his Bible, that always wants to worship God that always wants to pray, that always wants to help others in need, that always wants to walk in love. Always. The challenge of the Christian life, as I said, is to get that man to show up on the outside, to bring that perfection to the outside. Now, I'm not here to say that we're going to attain perfection, spirit, soul, and body before we go to be with Jesus. Because even the great Apostle Paul said, I'm not saying I've attained this level of perfection. But this is my paraphrase. I am saying, though, I left where I was. (laughs) And I've gone to a higher place. I've made progress towards the perfection that God demands of us, spirit, soul, and body. And I do need to emphasize that. You can't just walk out of here and say, I'm perfect. Praise God, I'm perfect, you know. Now, the Bible says there's a process, and this is what we're going to get into when we talk about spirit, soul, and body. There's a process whereby you can take the new man and put him on the outside. Just like it said in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, Therefore, put on the new man, because he's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Put him on, you know. You know, my wife and I have had this discussion many times, you know, uh, especially when we're driving to church and we have a big fight. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're driving to church to be righteous and holy, and you and your wife have a you and your wife have a knockdown drag out over something silly. Usually over something that just means nothing. And so my wife would always say, I don't want to go into church now and put on this holy thing, you know, and make everybody think everything's okay. That'd just be a put on. You know, I was contemplating on that, and what the Lord told me he says, you know what? It's all right to be a put-on if you're putting on the new man. And if that means I'm going to act like I didn't have an argument with my wife in the car on the way to church, then I'm going to act like it because that's the man that's on the inside. And he walks in love. He doesn't hold any grudges. Maybe you should put him on a little bit earlier than the guy Yeah, yeah. The, the real key would be to put him on as soon as you're feet hit the floor after you get out of the bed amen but as i said we're not there yet but there's part of us that is there's part of us that's absolutely perfect just like god 
And as hard as it is to get our arms around that, it is nevertheless the truth. Jesus told his followers to be perfect, knowing that they couldn't be perfect without his help. He knew that he was going to pay the price necessary to make us perfect. Because we can't just be perfect. We have to be made perfect. You must be born again. And after that, you have to retrain the rest of your being, your soul, and your body to line up with the desires of the man on the inside. Amen? That means you're going to have to spend time in the Word and spend time in His presence to bring the new man to the outside. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.